When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I forgot what I was going to say here uh, because my wife FaceTimed me so that I could yell at our children. This is, these are, these are dad struggles for 2019. <laughs> used to be dad used to just go to work. Mom had to deal with everything. Now mom FaceTimes dad. <laughs> so daddy can yell at the kids over the FaceTime. How's it going over there, sweetie? Everybody okay? Say, say hi to everybody. No, my, hi. Michael has no pants on. Well, they don't. They can't see that. It's the radio. Well, get whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Clothe those children. All right. We're going to take a break. I got to continue to yell at the kids. All right. Back on the morning show. Still yelling at my children via FaceTime. <laughs> now he's, what is it? Wait, what does he want? What do you want, buddy? I want donuts. For breakfast? gets this from donuts for breakfast actually do we have any donuts here let's get some neil young going as i hunt down a cruller so i mean we do a lot of nonsensical things on this show i mean i think if you listen to the show for a while you understand that it doesn't all have to make sense it's about fun trying to just have a little fun every day and uh, a number of years ago uh we started doing this bit surrounding rod stewart where, and I hate to break the fourth wall for you here, and you may want to change the station if the kids are around, but basically, it's your old pal Ant doing the Rod Stewart voice. He's not actually calling in. I don't want to upset anybody this morning, but that's the facts. And, we, you know, we started doing it. I, I, I don't even know why we started doing it, because I started doing the impression, and it was so terrible, and it made everybody laugh, so I thought, oh, this will be funny. And then Rod Stewart, basically the, 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 the bit was Rod Stewart, this was right around the time where he was doing a lot of covers albums. He was just, it was like Rod Stewart sings the American Songbook and Rod Stewart sings country classics and Rod Stewart this, you know, it was just basically looked like a huge cash grab. So we criticized Rod Stewart a little bit. And then Rod Stewart's character kind of took on this whole persona of this, I'll do anything for money shtick while also being super mean to me if you've heard the you know some of the the calls we should really put a highlight reel together of all the rod stewart calls one day um and it (laughs) and it's funny because it's not really rod stewart right i mean he's just going wherever his musical journey takes him like that's what's so kind of funny about is that it's so absurd and so crazy that nobody would believe that it's real. The impression stinks. All that stuff together kind of makes it just a fun little bit. Now I'm going through and I get this story this morning, which you, by the way, you can read at WEHM.com, that Rod Stewart is is auctioning off items from his home. <laughs> 
Now you'd be thinking, well, Ant, why don't you just do this? Why don't you make this a bit? I feel like now it's too close to reality. Now it's not that funny if he's really out there going, does anybody want to buy my old sofa? Like, I mean, and that's really what he's doing. He's selling his sofa. (laughs) It's unbelievable. And by the way, this is apparently not the first auction. I must have missed it because last year he had an auction too and he sold his stuff at around $120,000. So, literally, Rod Stewart is holding a virtual garage sale, and he made one hundred twenty grand last year, and now he's doing it again. I cannot believe it. If you want to buy <laughs> some of Rod Stewart's stuff, just go to WEHM.com under the latest section, right under the main picture slider thingy. You can see the article right there. September 10th, fans will have a chance to snap up settees, British word for sofas, as well as a floor lamp, an ornate sun-shaped gold glitter wood clock, which they actually have a link to. This thing is magnificent. This actually looks like Rod Stewart's hair. I mean, legit, not like early Rod Stewart, like 2007 Rod Stewart. Like, it just looks like his hair. His hair looks... If Rod Stewart walked in front of this clock, you'd be like, oh my God, where did Rod Stewart go? He would just mold right into the wall. He would he would just lose his hair in, in the clock. At least it's not the, <laughs> the creepy Jesus looking up at the clock thing that most of my family had hanging in their house all of those years. Several chairs, two tables... And a couple of stuffed and mounted animals, a crazy looking fox and a bird. I didn't see the fox yet. Let's take a look. at it. Oh, my God. What the hell? Oh, that is creepy. It's very uncomfortable to look at that. A stuffed and mounted fox. Why does he have this in his house? And why isn't he ashamed to be selling it? There, There's... I'm sorry, but there at some point, if they're like, hey, we're going to get rid of this stuff, I would be like, then just throw it in the garbage. I don't want anybody knowing that I own this. It's embarrassing. But not Ron Stewart. <laughs> hey, does anybody want to buy my fox? <laughs> Maybe we should do a call after all. I just feel, It feels weird that it, it's actually hitting so close to home now. It's actually a reality, but this guy is literally holding a virtual garage sale where he's, he's selling the most embarrassing clock and stuffed animal fox I have ever seen. (laughs) Dear radio gods, thank you so much for Rod. (laughs) Now, four years ago today, you'll know, you may remember our good pal, one of my best pals in the business, Drew at two, and again at 10, Drew from EHM Weekends, who has since left us. But four years ago today, randomly, somebody put a statue outside the EHM studios here in Watermill of a, a, a naked dude. Uh, on his knees, head down on the floor with his uh, naked rear end hanging out. Just randomly, just no, without forewarning, like, no. Like, by the way, if you're going to put a, a nudie statue out in front of somebody's business establishment, knock on the door and be like, hey, I'm thinking about putting a huge white rear end out there. I uh, just want to give you the heads up. That's, that's, just, that's just common courtesy. That's just common courtesy. And that's not what these people did. And I don't remember who it was or, or what the reasoning was behind it. But sure enough, uh, Drew sent me this photo four years ago today of the uh, white rear end seen around the world, or at least around Watermill. 
And uh, now Facebook, every year on this day, August 29th, I like to think of it as the anniversary of the last Beatles concert day, but not Facebook. It is here to remind me every year of like, oh, look, remember, this is the day that somebody put a big, uh, you know, white dude's rear end in your uh, face. So, uh, yeah, that now it's uh, it's it's white rear end day. Basically, every year Facebook reminds me of this. And it's been four years to the day that this occurred. Um, so, uh, yeah, hashtag white rear end day. <laughs> By the way, also hashtag I miss Drew. Uh, I miss Drew in a major way. He's the best. I'm not sure what's more ridiculous and embarrassing. The fact that we did have to stare at this rear end for like a year and a half or the stuffed bird that Rod Stewart is selling in an auction. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure. And by the way, for those of you who want to defend Rod Stewart, like, and oh, he just wants to sell his stuff. Did you know that David Gilmore, David Gilmore, like a couple of months ago, I don't remember when it was, sold some of his stuff, like some of his old classic guitars and everything. And he literally gave all the money to charity, like like $10 million or something ridiculous to that extent. Just donated all the money to charity. What's Rod Stewart doing with the stuffed fox money? He's pocketing it. He's keeping it for himself. I mean, am I cra- David, am I, am I crazy here? You want to come in here, my man? Come on in here. David Brown is going to uh, join us in the next hour. He's actually going to take over the morning show with Anthony. Thank God, because I am so exhausted and tired. Uh, but have you seen, have you heard about this Rod Stewart auction? Uh, a little bit, Anthony, yes. Yeah. He's auctioning off items from his own house. Why, who, David, who is going to buy what appears to be a stuffed bird inside a glass cage? <laughs> Well, it's funny you ask that, Anthony, Yeah, because I did a recent article, actually just posted last week on RollingStone.com, about rock memorabilia and collectors and sort of the new phase of this. Oh, really? Which is people are starting to buy childhood homes of, of, the, music, of, of the, musicians. I, I saw that. And part of the reason is, now I don't know how much some of these odds through items go for, but, but rock memorabilia has become so crazy expensive you know, these days, I mean, if you want to buy like one of Ringo's old drum sets went for two million, some Bob Dylan written, handwritten lyrics, two million things are getting into this one percenter land. Yeah. So, you know, if you're really a fan and you want something, you might have to settle for like somebody just bought Neil Diamond's <laughs> old convertible for 80, 80 grand. <laughs> And that's a steal I or a see. childhood Bob Dylan's one of child, Bob Dylan's childhood. How so you're the saying the re, the real legit treasures are so expensive that people now have to buy stuffed animals from Rod Stewart's exactly house to if get they cool, want yeah something. one of the people at the auction houses told me that yes that you know it, to get that personal touch you know you have to kind of go for things like that look yeah. at this look at this fox does it do you want <laughs> this in your house. You can't put that in a house with children. They'll never sleep. It would be, it would scare them. <laughs> it scares I'm me. I'm looking at it right now. I hate that I saw it. <laughs> and then look at this clock that he's got. Tell me that doesn't look like his hair. That looks exactly like his hair. You know, uh, one of the things that just sold recently was um, Barbara Streisand had an auction of her stuff in her, in her Manhattan home. Uh-huh. And she had a wooden letter A that was mounted on like in her kitchen or something. And it was a, it was a, sort of a joke because she was... 
her, 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 there's a missing A in her name, right? Okay. It's Barbara. It's Barbara. As, as, right. I think she was born Barbara, but they took the A out. So it's a right. little joke that somebody got for her. It's the missing, <laughs> it wouldn't let her A. And the auction house thought, oh, well, you know, who's going to buy this? Maybe we'll get a couple hundred dollars. And somebody paid six grand. Oh, my for God. The, for the wooden letter A from Barbara Streisand's kitchen. Oh, my so, God. So, you know, again, that's a better deal. Than than the 1.8 million that went from Michael Jackson's Thriller jacket. So yeah, I, I tell you that, that you know what's it's good. It's all about, context, Anthony. I guess it's so. all context. That's a good cocktail party story, though. <laughs> like, what's the story behind the A, Jim? Oh, let me tell uh, yeah, you. Exactly. There's a good story to go along with that one. Exactly. There's no exactly. excuse for that, Fox. <laughs> David, somebody has to stop Rod Stewart, damn it. Okay? It's getting out of control. He's unstoppable after 50 years, Anthony. <laughs> I mean, you should know better. <laughs> so, uh, we already talked with him, but uh, our old pal David Brown is here with us in studio again. How you doing, my man? I'm pretty good, Anthony. How are you? Uh, it's always good to see you. It's always a pleasure for several reasons. One, I actually enjoy you and what you have to say. And two, I don't really have to do much when you're here, which is nice. <laughs> it's always a thrill. Yeah, usually you run out and get smoothies on Montauk Highway or yeah. something while I'm here. You just, like, you just disappear. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know what, where you go. Yeah, well, you know, but we like to maintain that mystique. Mind your have. business. It doesn't matter where <laughs> I go, okay? Stop asking. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, it's always a pleasure to have you here. Uh, contributing editor to Rolling Stone magazine. Still the title? Is that I'm still actually the... now a senior writer. I've been the Senior promoted. writer. Yes. Is that a promotion? I have a promotion. I'm okay. now a full-timer. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. There. Yes, as of January. Contributing editor sounds like a bigger deal. I'm going to be honest. Oh, with really? You. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Maybe you... senior editing contributing writer exactly. should be the new thing. Uh, I was. I wanted the word ninja in there, but they 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 really weren't <laughs> they going no. along. They weren't going along. They weren't going with it. I don't understand yeah. why. Management. They're not. They're not <laughs> fun people. If they were fun people. They'd be the writers. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I say all the time. Um, how are you, my friend? Oh, pretty good. A lot of articles. I see you pumping out stuff. A lot of articles. Absolutely. You know, uh, it's been a busy summer tracking, uh, the rise and fall of Woodstock 50. So, uh, collaborator and I at the magazine just did a big 8,000 word story on that that just went up on, uh, it's on our website now. Wow. And, um, did a story about, uh, the, as we were just discussing the new trend in rock memorabilia memorabilia thing. Yeah. And, uh, there's always something, there's always news happening. What's your feeling on the Woodstock thing? Cause I, we covered it here extensively mm-hmm. and people, people reacted angrily, but they were, rea- they were, they wanted to know everything that was happening. Right. And at the end of the day, I was just sad about the whole thing. So what's your take on that whole, uh. I just feel like it's such a cultural event that deserves the respect of a proper 50th anniversary, and it didn't get it. I, I, I agree. I mean, you know, we've, there's so many 50th anniversaries this year that we're commemorating. You know, the moon landing, yeah. Man, Charles Manson, Abbey Road, you know, yeah. on and on. Why not, you know, commemorate Woodstock, which is, you know, which was a huge deal. But, uh, you know, as we, just tracking it along, you know, we started following it in the spring, you know, when they first announced it and, uh, you know, it just seemed like there was just one hiccup and one glitch after another and, and a lot of finger pointing. And it was a question of like, you know, these things have to really be planned well in advance. I mean, these, you know, people who do Coachella and Bonnaroo. I mean, that's down to a science. And yeah. whereas, you know, with Woodstock, I mean, they were still trying to book people six months before it was going to happen as performers. And it just seemed a little, a little slapdash in some way. And, and, um, 
And it was just, you know, just when you think it was over, oh, wait, they found another spot. Oh, wait, they're not in that spot. Oh, maybe they found a new spot. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was really a shame because, uh, you know, and the lineup was very odd, right? I mean, if you looked at it, you'd be like Jay-Z and David Crosby, you know, like, and finally I asked Michael Lang in an interview, like, right after it was canceled, can you, I said, can you finally explain the logic of the, of because a lot of people have asked that, and he said it was basically either new acts or acts from like the original festival. That was the, sort of the, the the concept. Like he didn't want anybody from the '80s or '90s, even though Jay Z started in the '90s. But, right. But uh, I thought, okay, that made sense, and it would have that would that in theory that again would have been a nice way to honor the thing. But it right. just seemed like it was just chaotic from almost the get go. It was like its own little fire festival, you know. And and oh boy, they get really enraged when, <laughs> when those comparisons brought up. You know, they say, "Look, we didn't put tickets on sale. We never, they never did." Right. Fire Festival put tickets on sale. People actually went there. It was a disaster. Right. As we know, I mean, it, it wasn't like that with Woodstock. 50, no, you know? it wasn't. But but comparably, the last minute because it's funny because when you watch that Fire Festival documentary, I don't know if you saw that. Oh yeah, yeah. But that kid was his name Billy, whatever. He was yeah. like, "Well, they figured out Woodstock last minute." He's like, "I just thought we would." Like he used right. the original Woodstock as the example, right? And it seemed like they were following that. Yeah, and and Woodstock '50 was also following Woodstock's example, and that they kept saying and uh, over and over again, like, "Look, man, the first one we lost, you know, it was we lost the original site for a month before it was supposed to happen. Right. It was supposed right. to be in Wallkill, New York, and suddenly everything collapsed, and they ended up." You know, in Bethel and all that, and they kept saying, "Look, we've been, you know, we've been through this before. We, you know, it's just normal that it's this crazy." It's like, well, that was fifty years ago. It's I different. Mean, the, the the rules. I mean, one of the things I learned was looking at the a mass gathering permit in New York State, which started to be implemented after the first Woodstock because they didn't want that again. Right. And that came back to haunt them. But in every, in, it's been sort of revised over time, and it's crazy the rules now. I mean, there's like there's a whole rule about mosquitoes if there's a certain number of mosquitoes on the grounds of the festival you have to have certain netting and certain i mean it's it's you know it, it's down to a science even on that permit and they you know had a lot to overcome yeah what i found fascinating about it in in reading and i read yours and i read a bunch of other people who wrote on it the the poughkeepsie journal i think they had a lot of good stuff yeah on they it. did a good job yeah um but was that he i mean he wasn't producing it they had a production company mm-hmm I know that he was in on the bookings, but apparently they had somebody they hired just for bookings. That's right. Is what I had read. Right. And it's like at the end of the day, and in one interview, he turns around and goes, well, I don't know. I'm not part of Woodstock, whatever. Oh, no. He said he wasn't part of Woodstock 50. He was part of Woodstock LLC or Ventures. And they had licensed the name. That was basically. And I'm like, wow, you are the face of this. And now that it's all collapsing, you're like, oh, well, I I just licensed the name and I, that was fascinating to me. Yes. There's been a lot of that kind of finger pointing now that it's all collapsed and everybody's, you know, yeah. the, the original investor, uh, this company Dentsu in Japan that pulled out. Yeah, and a yeah. lot of people saying it was your fault. And they're saying, no, it's the fault of the Woodstock. That whole thing people. was, a nightmare. I was, I w- I'm dying to know who the person is. Cause he said at one point that he had, was it Oppenheimer, whoever was financing it? But it was one person that was like, I will give you all the money. Right. I would love to know who that person was. That's still, we've asked. And there's right now, they're still anonymous. They don't, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it sounds like somebody we know. It sounds like somebody who's in the public light, the way he 
was right. alluding to it. Like we would all know who that is. Maybe, maybe, yeah. But definitely, there was somebody who put a whole bunch of money in at the last minute. Uh, it wasn't Oppenheim. They were just kind of they were just know, the facilitators. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So it was just, uh, it was just kind of a crazy, crazy ride. You know, those last couple of months and. Uh, yeah, it is. It really is a shame. You know, even they, you know, I mean, Lang told us he's still talking about doing some sort of, it went from being, well, maybe we'll still have a concert in the fall. And maybe now it's like, well, maybe it'll be more of a social media event over the next year to honor it. It's, they're still figuring out. Nobody cares. At this point, it's like, we're over it, dude. But, but you're right. I mean, there's this sort of hostility in the air toward it. And I don't know if Fire Festival kicked that off. I mean, people aren't bad-mouthing Coachella anymore, although maybe the, the originals are is that it's sold out. But, you know, there's this sort of, it's kind of cool to kind of bash these festivals now. Yeah. And I think Woodstock 50 kind of got caught up in that a little bit as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, it's, there's an angry, there's an angry culture on social media, and that's basically... Really? <laughs> that's what's fueling the fire. And media, I mean, you know this, a media story, right? Even the news, whatever, get a, get a positive you know, thing, get a negative thing, put the two together and then tell the story. That's basically the formula of stuff. Right. Now there's so much to choose from because you can embed a negative tweet and it's not hard to come by on any story of somebody being mad at something. And so this is the time that we live in. Right. Uh, David Brown is here. Senior writer, Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, I'm going to take a break. We're going to do the cover story next. So we have enough time because uh, David's taking over the nine o'clock hour. You got some music for the people. You ready to go? A few tunes ready to rock their AMs. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're back after this. All right. That is Erica Badu on the cover of Squeeze is Tempted. Squeeze Artist du Jour. Hand-selected by David Brown, getting a head start on the hand selections. There were many different versions of that song. I gave I, you a nice not, little, yeah. uh, but you picked yeah, the right one. Yeah, and I was not familiar with the Badu, yeah. the Baduism version kind of thing. <laughs> the the Baduized. <laughs> uh, but she's great, so that was very cool she's to hear that. She's lovely. Yeah, that was a Record Store Day exclusive uh, from a few years ago, so cool to have that. I, I interviewed her just recently and uh, for this column we have in Rolling Stone called The Last Word, where you ask various questions, not always about your new album, but like, what are you, what are you listening to, what are you reading, blah, blah, blah. And I yeah. said, what are you, one of your goals in life? And she said, I want to direct one of those airline, the videos you see on, about how to, you know, safety issues. That That's her... <laughs> That She's was like, her response. <laughs> yeah. Like she really wants to make one of those. And I thought, wow, phenomenal. that's cool. That's really cool. <laughs> See, that's my one of my dreams is besides uh, show jumping at the Hampton Classic Horse Show, which I recently accomplished. Wow. Um, yeah. Big deal. Videos up on WHM.com. Uh, but uh, I want to be in a uh, wireless commercial as the like uh, unknowing father. Because if you've noticed in all the wireless commercials, dad rolls in there. Why am I paying so much for data? And then friendly, you know, uh, store employees right. show them the unlimited plan. Oh, and, that's, uh, yeah, uh, really? Really? You don't say. <laughs> like, we can have our cake and eat it too face. You know, that. I that's could, my... I can totally see you in that. Yeah. I can totally see Every ethnicity is represented yeah, yeah. in the store with the employees, right, men right. and women. You'll you have know, to have show. one of those world's number one dad t-shirts Something, that you'll be yeah. wearing. <laughs> They really Something. ram home the point. Yeah, or I'm schleppy, like I'm carrying all the things, what? you know, like that, that kind of thing. I feel like that's what I was made for. I think I can totally, absolutely see that. <laughs> I think you need to start, you know, 
join the actors union, whatever, and, and yeah. start showing up for some yeah, auditions yeah. for those. But I'm glad to know I'm not the only idiot in the world with a dumb goal. Like that, mm. that from America, that's a pretty obscure, stupid goal to reach. <laughs> I like that. I, I love her even more than I did a second ago. All right, check in with new sports and weather, and then we're turning it over to David. David Brown is the senior writer over at Rolling Stone magazine. He's one of very few people that we turn the radio station over to. I'm trying to think in the past, uh, Alec Baldwin we've given this honor to. I think Ed Burns did it once. Colin Quinn. The list is very small. Very, very I, I am small, honored David. to be in that company. Yes, you are. And uh, maybe, don't tell the other ones this, but maybe the most knowledgeable in the, in the field. But anyway, uh, everything you're going to hear for the rest of the show is hand-selected by David. I have absolutely nothing to do with it, and I'm going to turn it over to him. Well, thanks, Anthony. Great to be here, as always. Thanks for listening. And speaking, since we were just speaking about Woodstock 50 and what happened, uh, let's kick it off with a little... Uh, ode to the original one that was recorded. This was a, a song recorded just about 50 years ago. <laughs> EHM 92.9969. This is David Brown from Rolling Stone magazine taking over the airwaves for a bit uh, this morning while Anthony is doing God knows what. Uh, that was the Mamas and the Papas with Straight Shooter. From way back about uh, 1966 or 67. Uh, a song that came to my mind again after seeing the new Quentin Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I won't give away any spoilers, but uh, the Mamas and the Papas uh, have a bit of a role in that movie. You hear some of their uh, music. You hear people, you see people playing them. And you even hear a different version of that song in the movie, which may, reminded me of how great some of those Mamas and Papas songs were. And uh, it'd be nice to hear it again. Uh, before that, we heard Raphael Sadiq, the great R&B talent who has a new record out, but that's a song called 100 Yard Dash, which President Obama selected for his summer playlist. And it's sort of, that song goes back about 10 years. And, but seeing it on that list reminded me of how cool it was and thought, uh, that time to resurrect that on the airwaves. And we opened the hour with a recently released uh, rare version of Woodstock, Joni Mitchell's Woodstock, by Stephen Stills and Jimi Hendrix on bass and the great late, great Buddy Miles on drums and uh, Stills uh, singing and playing organ. That song was actually, that version, I should say, was actually recorded before, about a month before the version we all know, the CSNY version from the Deja Vu album and Jimmy and Stills were uh, were jamming buddies and were hanging out in New York and just just put that on tape, uh, and uh, that's the formative version that uh, that Stills then brought to the Deja Vu sessions and became the recording that we know now. But uh, I thought that was a really cool version with Jimmy on bass that was just recently released. They just unearthed that in the archives. Uh, anyway, it's a sunny day out there. Looks like it's going to be a great day, and we're going to continue with the tunes. <laughs> EHM 92.9969 is David Brown at Rolling Stone filling in for Anthony for a little bit. Uh, that was the late, great Jeff Buckley that we just heard with I Want Someone Badly. Uh, last week was the 25th anniversary of the release of Jeff's uh, one and only album that he made during his lifetime, Grace. And that was a bonus track that was included on it. That's a song uh, he did with the band Shudder to Think. That was on the soundtrack of a movie called First Love, Last Rites, 
that came out right around the time Jeff died in 97. And it was based on that Ian McEwan collection of short stories. And Jeff contributed that song with Shudder to Think. Different different vibe from his usual thing, more of an R&B song. It was kind of a cool thing. And, it was co- and that record, that, that soundtrack album is really hard to find. So it was good that they uh, rescued that and, and put it on the edition of Grace. Uh, before that, we heard Dennis Lloyd, Never Go Back. He is, uh, that's an, an Israeli kind of hip-hop act who also plays the trumpet. You heard that trumpet solo in there. That was him. Caught his set recently at the uh, at Irving Plaza a few months ago in New York, and it was really good. And uh, that song really stood out. Thought time to introduce that to people. And then we opened the set with "Tell Me Lies" from the Black Keys, who were supposed to play at Woodstock '50, and were one of the first, actually the first group to drop out, which was one of the early warning signs that uh, things might not be going so well with Woodstock '50. <laughs> Uh, I love how the Black Keys album, by the way, it's called Let's Rock, and it's I love how they put Let's Rock in quotes, almost like an ironic kind of thing. Like, is it cool to rock now or not? Uh, anyway, it's kind of funny. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna take a break, and we will be right back with some more tunes. <laughs> EHM ninety two nine ninety six nine. This is David Brown at Rolling Stone filling in for Anthony for a little bit while he's. Uh, I don't know, surfing, exercising, God knows what Anthony's doing. Uh, that was Sleater Kinney with Reach Out from their new record, The Sec- Center Won't Hold, which, of course, produced by uh, Andy Clark's St. Vincent. Uh, really terrific album, kind of uh, adding new layers of production and uh, sonics to the, uh, the traditional Sleater Kinney trio sound, even though they've just lost their drummer, Janet Weiss, unfortunately. And we opened the set with Linda Ronstadt, Rescue Me, from back way back in 1972. Uh, that's Linda's cover of an old uh, R&B song from the previous decade. It kind of really shows her vocal power back then, how, how, how tough and raw she could be. And we uh, see and hear that in an upcoming documentary on Linda called The Sound of My Voice that is opening in New York and L.A. at the end of next week. And uh, I saw it recently, and it's really good. It makes the case for her as uh, kind of an underrated and uh, underappreciated talent. Uh, we recently, in uh, June of this year, lost the late great, lost, uh, sorry, we lost Dr. John, one of the great uh, American icons of music. Uh, I did a whole story on him about his life and times and got to delve back into his discography, which was uh, the fun part of such a sad assignment. And uh, remember this great song from 1974. EHM 929-969. That was Lizzo, one of the hotter talents of our time. I don't know if we heard her. I don't know if we heard her flute playing on that track, but she was bringing the flute back to music, which you know, for those of us who grew up hearing it on the <clears throat> "Color My World" and the "Hustle." It's time the flute came back. Anyway, that's called Water Me from her current record. And before that, we heard Mac Rebenack, a.k.a. Dr. John, with Everybody Want to Get Rich Right Away, which is a song from uh, 44 years ago that still seems relevant today. Uh, another factoid about that record that's still relevant, that's from an album of his called Desertively Bonnaroo. 
And the name of that festival came from that album. It was a little homage to Dr. John when they named that festival. Uh, this is David Brown. I'm a senior writer at Rolling Stone and a big fan of EHM. I've been, uh, they've been very nice here over the years to let me come in once in a while, at least once a year, and spin some tunes. And I hope everybody keeps listening to this great station, which is keeping alive that free-form, progressive sound that many of us grew up with on FM radio. And I'm glad someone is still flying, letting that freak flag fly, and no one <laughs> lets their freak flag fly as much as Anthony, hey. who was back from, you know, who knows where you were, Anthony, well, for the last hour. I was on a chicken salad run. <laughs> I was listening, though. My favorite part was when you were like, oh, I think he's exercising. Nobody in the audience believed that. <laughs> Not one member of the audience. <laughs> hey, you did a great job, man. It well, thank is, you. It is always fun listening to somebody else pick the music, which you did such a better job than what I can do. Um, and then uh, the, the the stories and the little anecdotes behind it. That the Hendrix on bass for Woodstock, I loved. Crazy, yeah, crazy. It, it's too bad he didn't play guitar on that song. I know. But you know, and Lizzo, it, you picked Lizzo. I'm obsessed I, with Lizzo. <laughs> Totally obsessed with Lizzo. We were just talking about you watching her playing flute. She's yeah, more flute. We need more flute. We had we, a good we, amount of seventies flute, flute, and that Damn. that disappeared. Again, it's the, true. The eighties killed it. 80s. The eighties. Well, you know, uh, Dr. Dre liked to sample a lot of flute That's on true. those on those uh, records he produced. Yeah, way back in the nineties. But uh, I'm hoping Lizzo will do like a Jethro Tull cover album. I think you know that would the be best. sort of wouldn't that, that would be sort of be an awesome thing and really bring the flute back around. That right? would be the best ever. Uh, all right, as we go, because I, I can actually hear the uh, exit music starting. But as we go, you got a book coming out. Yeah, speaking of Jeff Buckley, who I just played, uh, a book coming in October called Jeff Buckley: His Own Voice, uh, published by Hachette Books, which is a collection of uh, Jeff's own writings, his journals that we've uh, discovered and paperwork over the years. You get to see him telling his whole life story in his own words, in his own writing. We reproduced all the all of his uh, writings, yeah, the, talking about his childhood and many other things right through a few months before he passed away similar to like the Kurt Cobain diary book it's all his you'll see exactly his exact, exact reproductions of, of the pages and Jeff had uh, really good penmanship I have to say <laughs> thank God thank gosh we've well, been staring at it all for a number of years right how exactly. many years it's been a couple of years in the works you know we you know we took I worked with his mother who runs his estate uh, got for the official sanction and you know we were very careful and very sensitive to make sure we didn't you know um, intrude too much on his personal writings you know it's a fine line there but i think we pick things that kind of you know you'll see drafts of different song lyrics you'll see the way you know like he he would it's not like now we use a computer he would actually just completely just rewrite the whole song each time and you so you see you'll see dream brother and lover you could have come over and you should have come over sorry and songs like that in uh, formative stages and things like that with with like missing lyrics things he didn't record so that's there's awesome. a lot of cool stuff like that that's awesome all right we'll definitely be talking about it but we can follow you on social right you're at david brown i'm on social um on twitter at dave brown and uh you can find me david dash brown.com website and i'm um, on facebook and all that kind of stuff nice. absolutely all right we'll link it all up when it comes out was it october you said october 15th yes indeed october 15th we'll look for that from david brown thanks my man Appreciate thanks anthony great in. being here again all right everybody have a great thursday uh we'll see you tomorrow morning at six show me potato salad maybe we should go now